This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Good Monday morning and welcome to Bulls Beat. We've got plenty for you, of course, to wrap up the weekend with highlights from football, men's and women's basketball, and to tell you what's going on with men's soccer after it lost to FIU in the conference championship match in the American on Sunday. The NCAA selection show is at 4 o'clock. We'll give you the full Bulls outlook and expectations here soon. But we'll start off with football. And as we all know, as we are taping this, we don't have a extended update on Trey Marsh, who left the game in the fourth quarter with an injury. Although signs were hopeful, it was certainly a somber scene at Raymond James Stadium as the cart had to be taken to get Trey Marsh, and of course, he was taken to Tampa General Hospital where he's under excellent care, as we all know. But before that, plenty happened in the 41-23 loss to SMU. In the end, a really bad start, or if you look at it from SMU's perspective, inevitable burst of offense took place, and that's what put the game away. But the first half was so memorable. Daniel DePrado, of course, is interim head coach, and sometimes we talked about on the halftime show on Saturday, you know, the coaches are sort of in the background. You don't really notice them necessarily during a football game unless you're watching on TV. They keep showing the coaches on the sideline. In this case, Daniel DePrado, Ernie Sims, who was down on the field, that was very interesting, were all present. There were a lot of plays that happened on the Bulls' sideline, which made it even better, including a big play early in the game. It was not going to be a 56-point first half where SMU would score every time it had the ball. In fact, it didn't the first time it had the ball. Fourth and three. Mordecai throwing near sideline, caught by Rice, and he's got the first down. No, incomplete. And Daniel DePrado really might have influenced that call. That played out right in front of him. He saw the juggle. There were some key drop passes in this game on both sides, actually, but that one benefited the Bulls early on. Unfortunately, they could not score. And, of course, in a situation where you're playing SMU, you got to take the opportunities when they come, and the Bulls couldn't. In fact, they went for it on fourth down at the SMU 46, and I love that approach, by the way. What do you have to lose for Daniel DePrado and company? Well, unfortunately, a review that we thought was going to take away a pass down to the five-yard line was upheld, and from there, the Mustangs would take a 7 to nothing lead. Bulls again go three and out as Trey Marsh gets sacked for 14 yards. Then a play that I talked about on the broadcast that – Frankly, in the past few games, might have gone for a 31-yard touchdown on an end-around. T.J. Robinson at least made the tackle to keep Jordan Curley, the receiver for SMU, out of the end zone, down at the 10-yard line. And what do you know, the Bulls would come up with the stop and made it 10 to nothing. Then the offense would get going. Third and six, Trey Marsh to Sean Atkins. Fourth and one, direct snaps to Michael Dukes. And that's how the first quarter went in. Brian Batte started really impressing with his runs. He would go for 10 and 6 to set up the short yardage back. Yes, it was Jason Albritt in time. Bulls got to keep an eye on the play clock here. Little John, the tight end in motion. Handoff, Albritton, touchdown, USF. Jason Albritton, local kid. And he is making his mark. With USF football, he's in the end zone, and the Bulls on the board for the first time today. He'd gotten 14 on a direct snap in the first 
quarter, and it was really cool because the Newsom kids' parents were within eyeshot of our booth, and man, were they emotional. They were like sobbing with happiness. It was really a special moment. Unfortunately, SMU, as it is wont to do, would go right down the field on the next drive, 75 yards. The Bulls could not stop Tyler Levine. He had a couple of big gains, and then it was time to hand off to the freshman, Kamar Wheaton, after Levine had gone for 24 yards, then 5-3-5 and five for another first down to the 18. And, yeah, they can do more than just throw the ball, although Tanner Mordecai is excellent. It was 17-7. to seven. Then the going forward on fourth down, the confidence for SMU kind of caught up to the Mustangs. They were facing a fourth and four right at midfield with about four minutes to go in the first half. And they're thinking, eh, we can't be stopped. But really, when you're up 17-7 to seven, and the other team's getting the ball to start the second half, you probably should punt there. They did not do it. And the Bulls got the turnover on downs. Granted, it was a drop, but it helped the Bulls. And then they scooted into the end zone with three quick plays. Batty in motion, the throw, long down the middle of the field, Weaver caught, touchdown USF. Catravis Marsh to Xavier Weaver, they faked the handoff, faked the end around, and Weaver was running wide open for the score. Yeah, well he threw that right in the crescent of SMU's defensive backs, their safety and their cornerback. And the thing is, they ran that same type of pass scheme earlier where Weaver took an inside route and just found, found a way to get into the middle of the field. That was a phenomenal throw and catch by this USF tandem and Weaver and Marsh. Great job. It was a great play call, and the Bulls were within three. But quickly, SMU was inside the Bulls' 40 on a 34-yard completion. And on third and seven, a nice breakup by Jason Vaughn leads to a field goal attempt that was wide right. So the Bulls actually had... A minute to go in the half, and with the help of a big boy catch, had all the momentum going into halftime. Betty lines up right side, three wide receivers, short side right. Marsh looking that way, throws to Horn, makes the catch, gets out of bounds inside the 40 of SMU. First down, South Florida. Yeah, that was a big boy catch by Horn. And I don't mean big boy in size or anything physical, but big in mentality, focus, and execution. Have one foot in on the sideline right in front of his teammates. Great job, Horn. Still 12 seconds left in the half. Snap, hold, kick. Distance. Good. Game tied. Spencer Schrader. And the Bulls are all even with SMU with eight seconds to go until halftime. Felt like it would be anybody's game in the second half. You love what you were seeing, but the second half did not go well, as you know. In spite of more awesome stuff from Brian Batte, the Bulls got inside the 40-yard line on the next drive, got held to a punt. It was a wonderful punt by Colin McCreary downed inside the five-yard line, and that didn't matter as SMU only needed a half dozen plays to go the full 97 yards, pass interference, 10-yard pass, 30-yard pass, and eventually a 21-yard touchdown. And when the Bulls went three and out on the next drive, actually, they went with all Britain on third and one. SMU saw it was coming, brought up a safety, made a nice tackle. And so that failure to convert the third and one led to very next play, this. And the game was essentially decided, at least it felt that way. Here's Mordecai to throw, rolling to the right, throws it long downfield. Hurley, it's caught, and he's going to score. 
Curley with the touchdown. This one will go 70 yards. Beautiful pass. Looked like a couple balls might have had the angle on it, but no luck. And the reason I say it felt decided, you just felt like the offense was going to have to score every time. And on the next drive, with that in mind, DePrado decides to go for it at his own 44, and it was a perfect slant pass from Mars to Weaver, and he just dropped the ball. We said drops were killers in this game, and that was the one for the Bulls because, again, just a few plays later, giving the ball to SMU inside your own territory, not a good idea. It was 38-17. Though the Mustangs would be kept out of the end zone in the fourth quarter, they kind of took the foot off the gas just a little bit. And then, as you know, the game was marked by something you never want to see. Here's how it sounded with Jim Lauk and Sam Barrington. Marsh to throw. Now steps up. He's going to run. Got a nice gain to the 40. Puts his head down and gets laid out, flagged down. This is going to be a helmet to helmet. And sure hope that Catravis Marsh is okay. Instead of sliding, he went in head first and took a big hit at the end of that play. It'll be a first down for the Bulls, and there'll be penalty yardage tacked on, but that's not really the issue right now. Personal foul, targeting, defense, number 44. That play is under further video review. Cameron Farrar is one of the linebackers on this team. Marsh is still flat on his back after that hit. Yeah, you just, you just obviously you just hope that Marsh is okay, and there's so much information, data, and analytics that, you know, are going into the game and teaching guys how to play the game the right way from an instructional standpoint. And uh, obviously the quarterback is the guy who gets the benefit of the doubt. And obviously Marsh, he went to, he was in the conceding position. He went to fall down, and obviously he didn't slide with his feet first. But defensive players have to take more, more onus and be heads up when, when offensive players are in that position. Now, the first thing you want to do in, as a defensive player, and I can speak to it because I was that guy, you want to take a guy out. You don't want to relinquish the opportunity to lay a hit on a guy, but the quarterbacks, or whenever, quarterback specifically, <clears throat> when the guys go to concede and when the guys go to give up themselves and, and, and show that they're in this position where they're, they're going down, you got to stay away from They took him to Tampa General um, for precautionary reasons. He left the field in good spirits um, with movement in his extremity. Of course, that last voice, Daniel DePrado from after the game, if we hear anything else, obviously we'll pass it along to you. But the play itself, it was a tough one, as you heard. It was not what you normally do, but at the same time, do you lay off if you're a linebacker who's used to making hits. If you look back at it, and the reaction of the crowd was understandable. They booed when no targeting was called. He did not actually hit him helmet to helmet, but with his shoulder contacted Trey's helmet, which went directly and pretty hard into the ground. And Boy, it was just very, like I said, somber. And One of the things I did notice, first of all, the player himself came over, wanted to come over, and was kind of turned away by the Bulls coaches because it was a highly emotional scene. But also I wanted to point out that Nick Roberts, former Bull, you know, didn't leave on great terms, but even though he was having his fun up until that point with his team doing better than the Bulls, he was closest to Trey Marsh as far as SMU players. So genuine care and concern from a former Bull. Byron Brown, the freshman, came in. Of course, he was at the beginning of the season the fourth quarterback, but it's likely now the starter the rest of the way for this Friday against Tulsa and next weekend the war on I-4. 
Brian Batty ran for 145 yards, didn't score a touchdown. I'm saving the Batty highlights for tomorrow because I have a feeling he's going to be on the weekly honors. He should be. He's having a phenomenal season. But that stretch of three touchdowns quickly in the third quarter was a 21-0 third quarter was the end of the game for the Bulls, who committed seven penalties to just two for SMU. They were seven for 17 on third downs, just not quite enough against a very good and now bowl-eligible Mustangs team. A lot went on elsewhere in the weekend. We got men's soccer after falling in the conference championship. We'll tell you what is ahead of them. We hope an NCAA home game. We'll explain. And basketball highlights. The women go 2-0 and over the weekend. The men led by nine at halftime at Auburn before losing in that one. Back to the beat. Bulls beat continues with Derek Sharp. We had plenty of basketball this weekend. We had the doubleheader on Friday night, starting with the women winning by 40 against FAMU. The men leading Auburn again at halftime by nine. There's some highlights there before losing to the Tigers. And then Sunday afternoon, it was time for another women's basketball game against a very good JU team. The Bulls got tested, but win. Dulcie Fankamengiati was fantastic. And again, highlights coming up. When it comes to football, by the way, reminder that we are scheduled to have Daniel DePrado's press conference on late Tuesday morning, so we'll have that live for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. Also remind you that if you want to do this, and this is probably something I'll admit that I could have done before this weekend, but it just struck me as there were so many good interviews on our pregame show and actually live segments. The first one with Sam Barrington and Joey Johnston was pretty special, if you ask me. And so what we've done is we put the entire pregame and trimming out the commercials for your benefit. So the first hour and second hour are all available kind of on demand on our unlimited, unloaded platform. So wherever you stream podcast, you can get that now, whether it's SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to any of those and type unlimited, unloaded. Also had a very, very kind fan at the women's basketball game. First of all, come up to us, pregame me and Bridget Miranda and say, you know, Bridget definitely carries the looks as far as the booth goes, which is obvious. And then secondly, wanted to make sure he knew where to listen to the game. So not everybody knows that we are on TuneIn. Please make sure you tell your USF friends that it's no longer on iHeart. It's on the TuneIn app. And to download it, it's easy enough. And always remember, and this is not just TuneIn, this is other apps. They're going to offer you a free trial for seven days and then $7.99 a month. You do not have to accept that. Just X out of it. It is free to listen to USF Bulls Unlimited on the TuneIn app, and you just type Unlimited, and you'll find it. Now, if you're listening to us right now on the app, you already know that. Let's get to the men's soccer team. Yes, it lost to FIU on Sunday afternoon in Miami. Final score was 2-0. Frankly, the Panthers outplayed the Bulls, who might have been a little bit out of steam at this point, having already beaten SMU in Miami. They had a great time hanging down there in between games. In fact, I put out the little behind-the-scenes mic'd-up video on Twitter where, among the cool highlights, you had Brian Schaefer actually dropping a Bulls beat and Bulls Unlimited and Derek Sharp note. I thought that meant he was definitely going to score a goal, but no Bulls scored. However, they are, if you look at all the numbers, if you look at what went on elsewhere in conference tournaments, pretty safe to make the NCAA tournament, and we still feel like they got a great chance to host a game. We will find out today, the NCAA tournament selection show. Here's what's going to have to happen for the Bulls to get to host a first-round game. 48 teams make the tournament. Yes, when they lost to FIU, I did want to make sure that they didn't drop too much in the RPI. As a matter of fact, they didn't move at all, which is what you want. They stayed at 34, and 
thankfully, other conference tournament results kind of all went in line. If there had been a glut of upsets, it would have pushed the Bulls closer to the bubble, but that did not happen. But they are on the hosting bubble, so the top 16 teams get the first round off, get national seeds. The next 16 best teams, as judged by the committee, get to host a first-round game. So if you just do the math, that's teams 17 through 32. The Bulls are ranked 34th in the RPI, so they would have to be, in the committee's eyes, better than a couple of those teams ranked ahead of them. And if you look at it, I think there's a really good chance for that. I mentioned on Twitter a couple teams I could see the Bulls hosting over, such as Elon, such as Missouri State, such as Western Michigan. And just so you know, the tournament begins on Thursday, so it's going to come up on us pretty quick. The only negative, if you want to think about it that way, is if you are in that range right around 32, 33, if the bracket is truly done on a straight grade, then whoever you play, whether it's home or away, and a couple of those teams I just mentioned are a likely type of opponent, your second-round opponent is going to be the number one team in the country or maybe the number two team in the country. So that's another thing to look out for in the bracket, where the Bulls would head, and they would go on the road for their second-round match if they win in the first round, obviously. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a top-ranked team. They've already played Washington, so I, I just have a feeling it's going to be Kentucky. So couple things we'll be keeping an eye out for on the bracket. We'll talk to you about it on tomorrow's show. Let's get to basketball. Women went 2-0 over the weekend. Get ready to hear a lot of Dulce Fankamengiadu and Sammy Puise's highlights. But first, the dunk fest that was the first half from the men's team on Friday night, putting a big scare into the number 15 Auburn Tigers. Get it into Tyler Harris. Here comes Tyler turns on the Jets. He throws a lob. Caught by Chaplin, and he finishes it with two hands. Alley-oop dunk. Harris to Chaplin. And that quiets the building. That was a thing of beauty. In the near corner to Keyshawn Bryant. Goes to the baseline. Spin move. Throws up a runner. No good. Missed everything. Sam Hines rebound. Put back one-handed dunk. Man-sized move by number 20. Can't say enough about what Sam Hines has done all night. Keyshawn Bryant drove inside. He spun the ball the wrong way. And Sam Hines came up with it under the basket. Went up with authority and dunked it. Now the Bulls reestablish a six-point lead, 35-29. Flanagan had it for a second. And then he lost it, and Chaplin ends up with it. Tyler Harris, lead pass to Sam Hines in the basket. Two-handed dunk. What a pass by Harris. And Hines flushed it with both hands, and this place is a morgue right now. That was a beautiful, beautiful, obviously, sequence with Tyler Harris making a cross-court long pass. Sam Hines in full stride goes up for the two-handed stop. Side Chap, wide open for three, lets it fly. That's an air ball caught by Keyshawn Bryant, and he dunked it in with two hands. He did come back down with it, but he pogo-sticked himself right back up. And into the hands of Keyshawn Bryant. Bulls by a half dozen. Keyshawn, he's got a man on roller skates, goes to the basket, layup is good. Flanagan had his ankles broken, both of them. That was an NBA play by Keyshawn Bryant. Just had his defenders on his heels or on skates, like you said. Shot clock down to eight. Tyler drifts to his right. Auburn's in a switch now. Boggs puts it on the deck against Donaldson. Goes to the basket. Floater didn't go. Tip by Keyshawn Bryant with the right hand. He went up the ladder. He went to the top of the square and flushed it in with the right hand. Keyshawn Bryant is the human highlight film for USF. Definitely is. A lot of highlights from the game. 30-21 to 21 at halftime. You knew Auburn will make a push. And the Bulls still were within three with about five minutes left. As you probably know if you're following along, they just... Couldn't get it done at the free throw line, and Brian Gregory knows it. Tremendous effort, obviously. 20 offensive rebounds. We out-rebound them on the offensive end by five. They pressed the whole game. 
We play solid man-to-man. -man. They have 20 turnovers against our solid man-to-man. -man. We have 17 against their full-court press. Um, guys, you got to make your free throws, man. I mean, everybody out there is going to, you know, say whatever, but you got to make your free throws. We just we lost two games because we're shooting 50% from the free throw line. Also not helping themselves behind the three-point line. 0 for 7 in the second half. Tyler Harris yet to hit one. I'd say that's probably something to key on tonight, that first three that goes down. Yes, tonight the Bulls are back at it. You can hear the action starting at 6.30 with the pregame against a Stetson team that began a week ago beating FSU and had their game against Johnson postponed, so they are 1-0 and on the season. Women's basketball, 3-0, and big one coming up on Wednesday against Alabama. And let me tell you, Dulce Fankamengiadu had a weekend. She would get going quickly on Friday night. Wilson instead goes by her, gets her shot tipped, but Dulce with the rebound and a putback, 2-0. And that, with those two points, gives her exactly 1,000 on the career. I did the quick math. How about that? Bulls up quick early. Elena Chinecki with a wide open three from the left side as FAMU's in his own. No good, but Dulce another rebound, puts it up and in. What a great start for Dulce Fankamengiadu. Four to four, Bulls go inside of Dulce again, and she's got three quick baskets. With less than 80 seconds gone in this game, she has six points, and it's six to four. You're definitely on red alert for that milestone to get her first two points was going to give her a thousand on her career. She almost got another thousand in the game. Okay, maybe a stretch, but a career high 26 points. She had 20 at halftime, and the Bulls, who all of last year never scored more than 77 points, put up 90 to follow up 87 in their opener. They averaged 60 points a game last year and again had 90 on Friday night against FAMU, which is not a bad team, but the Bulls just get out and run with the ball so quickly when they do. And what looked like it might be a little bit of a test early was definitely not. Sammy Puises, 6 for 12 on threes, 20 points, so she tied her career high after setting it in the opener for the Bulls. And a rims out break for the Bulls as Jamarin Blair tried one, and now the Bulls have six seconds. Wilson pushes up to Necky, up five. Wants to drive with three. Over to Puises at the horn. Yeah, baby. Pui for three to end the first. After a slow start, she drains a pair of triples, and the Bulls have their largest lead. Elena Chinecki added 14 points with seven assists. And again, it was 90 to 50 Bulls. They shot nearly 55% from the floor. However, it did look like, especially on a quick turnaround, that it might be a little bit of a challenge in store with Jacksonville on Sunday. They went to Kansas, which was just outside the top 25. This was last week and hung around the entire game. Well, they did the same. In fact, the Bulls were so slow early, Jose Fernandez made a complete line change. There's another travel against Carla Brito. And when I say another travel, she's been great, but she has really caught oh, the bug of catching the ball and driving the pit, dragging the pivot. You just said Arnia. how about Arnio, Johansson, Asensio, Williams, and Gonzalez. That is a full line change for Jose Fernandez. Later found out that he can't remember if he's ever done that before, but that was less than three minutes into the game. And it really only 
help with one of those subs coming in. That was Danny Gonzalez hitting a three, but the Bulls were still down 11-3. A couple of the starters, the ones we mentioned, Fanka Mengiato and Puisis, re-entered and helped get the Bulls going. Puisis thinks about a three, then when to go inside of Dulce, two on or flop on the other side, didn't get called, that's big. 11-6 player who was standing straight up, and I think it just honestly knocked her down. She did. So I'll give her credit, I won't call that a straight flop. 11 to six, there's another outlet pass, a nice little pivot move there by Dulce Fankamengiato and four quick ones by the Bulls have them within 11 to eight. Sparked a 13 to nothing run that would put the Bulls on top for good. Now they would go up by 18, a red hot start to the second half. They want to run, it's become a three on one. Brito, no look pass to Arnio. Fast break hoop. Brito is so gifted with the basketball. She can make a lot of fun things happen. Moving it around to Puisis in the corner. Wide open look, no good. Dulce flies in for the rebound and has multitudinal options. One is Puisis, she gets it and there you go. How about Sammy Puisis knocking it down after the second chance created by Dulce. That's just something that could take another one from further away. They almost dared her. Easy chance and Puisis said, okay, I'll take it. You don't know me. Dulce, uh-oh, Sammy in rhythm, knock it down, Pui for three, and they call a quick timeout on the other side. Jose Fernandez cracks a smile, and the Bulls are up 37 to 20, just like that. J.U. got it down to six. This game was never over, but Sammy Puises not only hit some key threes, but she had something going with Dulce to help put it away in the fourth. Dulce loves to get it inside and one, she does! Right off the inbounds pass. Chenecki to Dulce, thought that was gonna rim out. Another foul. That looks good, and it is. Man, she's got a great follow through on she that. She does look good this season oh, at the side. line, confident. 56 to 47, so while the Dolphins are draining threes, a three point play, she's got 17 points to go with eight boards. Wilson almost loses it out of bounds. Graham, great defense on her, but she finds Dulce. A little bit trouble corralling the ball, but she still gets it up and in. Dulce Fankamengiadu has 19 points. The Bulls are feeding Dulce, and she is coming through. It's 58-47 with about six minutes to oh, go. She's doing a great job pinning her players. Janecki off to Puisis. Marked well, but it's going to put it up anyway and knock it down. Got the little boom from Jose Fernandez right in front of us. He just said good call to whoever made the call for that offensive set on the bench. It's 61-49. Bulls have picked up the offense at a great time. And Puisis, the stretch of four makes in a row for the Bulls, makes it five out of six after they had really gone cold. Oh, man, they tried to feed her for about a 25-footer. I think she just needs a screen to pull the trigger here. And, oh, wonderful pick and roll. What a move to the hoop by Dulce. And another two for Dulce. Puisis can pass the ball as well. It's 63 to 49, her third assist. She does such a good job leading her post player to the open spot. Dulce, credit Dulce for nice screen and picking and rolling. 10 on the shot, 140 on the game. Dulce over to Danny. She can shoot from there. Five on the shot though. Puisis, oh, what a cut by Dulce. And that's a beautiful look. Those two have hooked up three times just like that all night. And Fankamengiadu ties her previous career high with 23 points. Bulls back up by 11. Oh, such a nice down pick by Puisis. I have a feeling that for sure Dulce Fankamengiadu should be player of the week. And Puisis has got to be on there somewhere. Fankamengiadu finished with 25 points, 10 rebounds. Puisis 14 and 9 as the Bulls had a plus 12 in the overall rebounding category and ended up 14 apiece on offensive rebounds. That was a point of contention, trust me, as it was an early 11 to five edge in that category for JU. Gotta mention their point guard, the transfer from Wichita State, she ended up with a triple-double. 11 points, 
10 assists, 11 rebounds, but the Bulls win 70-59. to Much more on them tomorrow. We'll also have highlights of the men's basketball game and tell you more about the men's soccer NCAA tournament situation. Again, the selection show today at 1 o'clock. That'll wrap up Bulls Beat. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp.